What's going on, everybody? Stop playing this music and everything now. Hello and welcome to Talking Yanks, Sharp Stats episode. My name is Jimmy. I got Jake here and Katie, the queen of stats, getting you smart, sharp. Is joining us as always. We will be talking about Chad Green, mm. about Glaber's defense, about the Gardner and Talkman conversation. We'll be discussing it in logical, rational, scientific, mathematical ways. Katie, how are you doing? I am doing great, guys. Fired up, uh, ready for another uh, day of baseball. We're recording this on uh, on Wednesday this week, so a little bit of a different spin, but um, but it's all good. That, that damn Friday or that damn Red Sox wraparound damn. series really uh. Really screwed it up a little bit, and yeah, I think it's going to be interesting. People listening tomorrow are either going to be quite grumpy Yankee fans or Yankee fans excited to to try to win the series against Tampa tomorrow. So uh, we'll see what side of bed the Yankees let fans wake up on tomorrow. Excited to talk Chad Green, the goose. He We try to give him as much love as we possibly can because he's... Honestly, been fantastic, and he's found another level this year with a noticeable wipeout curveball. So I don't know, are we there? Did I just intro it? We can what do, do we it need to do because I'm interested in in the curveball because according to like Statcast, he's still not throwing one, but his slider has more depth and movement. But now I'm stepping all over Katie's toes here with the Chad Green <laughs> stuff, Katie. How are you? Did you enjoy the Red Sox series? And then Chad Green, tell us how good he is. Good. Enjoy is not the word I would use to describe the Red Sox series. And Chad Green is amazing. But um, Okay. So, okay. Bases I, would, I mean, covered. the Red Sox series, I mean, you guys kind of you guys kind of summed it up pretty perfectly in your recap. It was just it's pathetic. I mean, it's it's really sad. It's sad to see because it's it's been such a great rivalry over the past, you know, so many years and now it's just like I mean they're tanking. There's <laughs> there's no way around it. Um, so hopefully uh, hopefully we'll have better times ahead in the rivalry. But that's fine fine with me if we get four wins out of it. I agree with that. Early agree. All right. Um, so let's let's dig into Jet Chad Green right now. Um, first of all, I just kind of let's just kind of lay out his stats. This is as we're recording it on Wednesday. Um, so, I mean, it's just pretty remarkable what he's done so far. It's 44 batters faced, so think about that. 17 strikeouts. He's given up two hits, uh, one run, and four walks only to those 44 batters. And one of those was actually intentional. Um, and if you're into kind of some weird funky stats, his ERA+, plus, which kind of puts it onto a league average and, and uh, normalizes it, is 618. So if you're curious, 100 is, is is league average. So he's at about 618. I mean, that's just it's it's ridiculous. Small sample size, but um, just to kind of put into perspective, uh, how how good he's doing this season. Um, 600 600 percent better than your your peers is pretty exactly yeah. a decent start. Yeah, like a good Mariano season would probably he he got into the 200s. Um, mm. which just showed like for an entire season, which just showed how ridiculous he is. So, but anyways, um, and then if you look at his, if you look at his, um, stat cast stats, we're just, just a straight stat cast stats is expected stuff, um, that I've mentioned before. 
it's pretty it's it's it matches up exactly with what he's doing. It's an expected batting average of 170, you know, a 264 expected slugging. Um, he's got a hard hit rate of 26%, which where league average is about 35, 36%. And the thing that I really like is he's got a sweet spot um, rate, which I think we've dis- we've uh, we've introduced that before on the show. It's basically the percentage of pitches, or you know, this time pitches or batted balls. It's actually batted balls that are hit with a launch angle between eight and thirty-two degrees. So that's kind of like the ideal launch angle. So that's why it's called a sweet spot rate. So his rate for for batted balls is twenty-six percent, and the league average is about forty. Um, so basically, guys just either they're missing or they're just they're just not hitting it. Um, which I, I mean, obviously passes the smell test because you guys we can see that every time he goes out there and pitches. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So basically, the numbers are really good, and all of the expected stats back up those numbers um, <clears throat> in terms of launch angle, velocity, those types of things, um, which is also really encouraging. Um, so then the next kind of thing that I definitely, you know, the heart of this is what I want to talk about is that this year he actually switched his breaking pitch from a slider to a curve, and Statcast actually does now. They are now classifying yeah. it as a curveball. <clears throat> Um, That's what I checked. They like two days ago they weren't because I was telling Jake like, yeah. oh, they must be behind, and they officially changed his secondary pitch to a curveball. Yeah, cool. yeah. I mean that happens, you know, when when you introduce a new pitch like that. So that's why it's always important to kind of get as much data as possible. But anyways, so I think what it what this really does is this is actually a better pitch for him than a slider. And there's a couple there's a couple reasons. Anybody who's kind of anybody who's played baseball at least um, knows that fastball and curveballs are kind of the ideal combination if you're going to have just two pitches because of the way that they complement each other each other so I'm going to go into a little bit of a some sort of nervy nerdy uh, pitch stuff here but just, yes. just bear with me um, <laughs> so just in terms of his curveball it's not really one of those like wowy curveballs that you see like really bendy or you know lots of movement or anything like that are really slow it's actually pretty average it's a little bit below average in terms of the movement and um and the speed is above average um but what it does is it really just it complements his fastball really extremely well um and there's two reasons for that why it's better than than the slider first of all give me tunneling give me tunneling hey we're getting there we're going into the tunnel teaser um Calm down. Sorry. So first of all, it's it's getting it's getting a it's getting a bigger vertical drop differential than the fastball and the slider were. It's about I think it's um, yeah about four maybe four inches more. Um, actually, yeah no actually it's about ten inches more vertical vertical differential. Whoa. Um. So that's that that helps a lot. And then it's actually it's slower. So it's a slower pitch than the fastball. So he's now got about eleven twelve. Uh, mile per hour differential rather with the slider is more in like the eight to nine range so those are two key things if you're gonna have two pitches is to get a bigger movement differential between the pitches and a bigger velocity differential so that's what's happening there when you switch to the curveball the other way um that it really helps is what's called um kind of a spin mirroring spin mirroring and tunneling so these are two two really interesting concepts so basically what happens is he releases those two pitches from exactly the same release point, vertical and horizontal, like literally exactly the same release point if you look at it, um, if you look at the numbers. But where they end up at the plate 
And basically, after you have to, after that decision point, is mu- they're much farther apart when they end up at the plate. So the curveball is ending up about six inches more, you know, break to the the left hand batter side, and is dropping about twelve inches more than the fastball. So if you kind of think about it like a tunnel, it's they're the same pitch when you release and basically up until the decision point, and then right before the plate, they kind of diverge. Um, so that is that's kind that's the concept of tunneling, um, what Jake was talking about. The other concept that I kind of want to introduce is what's called spin mirroring, and this is really interesting because it's the way mm. that the the baseball is actually rotating on its axis. Um, and if you kind of just think about the hands of a clock, that's that's the way you look at it. And if you think about a fastball, that's thrown basically over the top with all backspin, right? So the ball, that's why you get that rise on the fastball. A curveball is basically the opposite. It's thrown with a ton of um, topspin, and that's why you get a drop on a curveball, um, you know, relative to the to the path. And, so and the I think what you, what might familiarize some of the people, uh, if you're watching the broadcast, normally if they're talking about a breaking ball, they'll talk about the dot that shows up on the ball and how. Mm-hmm. The, the tight dot versus the loose dot between throwing a good one. And I'm I'm fascinated by this because I've always been curious because, it you, well, you just said they are opposite. So I've always wondered if, if hitters can consciously think about that. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I I honestly, I don't have much any experience with that because the highest level that I played was right up until through middle school. So guys weren't throwing these you know, nasty curves <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> um but the concept is is incredibly interesting because so the ideal way would then to be have like kind of a perfect um, spin mirroring so that the the fastball has a perfect you know top uh, backspin and then the the curveball has the perfect topspin so that the uh, the axis basically mirror each other so you want to kind of get that big the biggest differential between the spin axis between your two pitches and if you look at what um, what Chad Green has is he actually almost has that perfect 180 degree differential. It's about, so he, his, his fastball is on a spin axis of 200 degrees. If you think about like, you know, kind of like a, a ball, you know, a rota- a clock. And then his curveball is at about 40 degrees. So that's, that's what, 160 degree differential, which is actually, that's real. that's almost ideal. Um, a lot of guys really are probably only in like the 80s, 70s, 80s, and 90s um, if they're if they're elite um, with their with their pitches. So, I mean, this is I think this is going to be a really good thing for him. And it's not only going I mean the curveball probably isn't going to be fantastic, and it's not going to you know get lots of strikeouts or whatever. But it's actually made his fastball a lot better. If you look at his fastball, he's thrown 144 fastballs, and he's gotten zero hits. And uh, 13 strikeouts with those fastballs and a 40% uh, swing and miss rate. So it's made his, even though his curveball, you know, he throws it, you know, probably about 20% of the time right now. Um, it's actually made his fastball even better because of those, you know, kind of those concepts that I just talked about. So, I mean, I'm really excited for what this pitch can do for him. I was going to bring up that fun fact, Katie, but obviously you have it before <clears throat> me. You have all the stats. Chad hasn't given up a hit on his fastball yet. Very cool. Do you know who got the two hits off of him, Jake? If Jake guessed the two guys that got hits off Chad this season, he won't get 
uh, a bucket of water dumped on his head tomorrow. My word, tough stakes. The I'll guys, give you. I'll give you a hint. Both of them play in an East division. Okay, I was thinking that could be the lean here. AL East. Uh, give me. One's a lefty, one's a righty. Hans or Alberto. One of his teammates, but not him. Santander? No. Did he get him? No. I don't know. Pat Valeka and Verdugo. Valeka and Verdugo. And, and both on kind of curveballs. Yeah. Hanging curves. Like hanging middle, curves. middle, bad curves. I think it's crazy he hasn't given up a hit on a fastball yet. Yeah, I mean, that's going to happen, I think, with this curveball because it, he doesn't have the the command of it obviously he's just started throwing it you know so he's not going to have the command of a guy who like a trevor brower or something like that throws no. you know his been throwing it his entire life um mm. and verdugo so, he got a real hit Valeka's hit is a seeing and not seeing eye single but it's it's like a 10 hopper? Yeah, Tyler Wade fielded it. If it wasn't someone named Pavleka, a shift would have been on and that would have been an out. Yeah. It's not really like, a, oh, he got Chad. Yeah. It, uh, 10 hopped up the middle. So, as far as I'm concerned, Chad's given up one legit hit. And I. Yeah, mm, uh, that's incredible. The, the couple things that jump out, like you're saying, the fastball. I mean, there's so many guys in this league that make a living off of. Finding the fastball or hunting the fastball And if you do that against Chad You still don't really have a shot And that's what he's had in the past uh, The curveball and the fastball Like you're saying with more drop and the speed difference I felt like there were at bats last year When you'd see Chad go into a 6, 7, 8 pitch at bat And the guy could just almost foul off the slider Or foul off the fastball There kind of wasn't enough speed change that they were coming in and, and those were your kind of, uh-oh, Chad doesn't have the slower curveball he can go to, to to hopefully get him out of this situation. And then the last one that I'll stumble into is I, I think it's going to be interesting to follow kind of Chad Green's pitch sequencing a little bit just because it's almost like he doesn't... I'm trying to picture in a playoff situation everything we just said about the curveball and not having the same confidence as the fastball... It, it almost feels like the pitching backwards or, or Chad Green's yeah. not going to want to put a curveball over the plate because that has a much better chance of getting touched up than his fastball. So that's, uh, I don't know, a couple things I'll be watching going forward. Yeah, and I think that the more confidence he gets with the pitch, he'll be able to sequence it better. He'll, he'll, he'll throw that first pitch curveball, and he won't hesitate. And I think that that can be one of the most effective weapon, weapons uh, for, a, for a reliever, particularly. Um, when you can kind of come in there and just drop that first pitch curveball in and be like, hey, you know, <laughs> this is what I got. You know, then try to hit my fastball. And the ability to, to kind of change eye levels is going to be really important for him. Um, I think, you know, with this new pitch especially. I, I'd like, maybe we'll ask uh, our friend Lindsay Adler to ask Chad if it hasn't been asked. I wonder if this curveball is truly a new pitch or if he's just throwing the slider with a little more depth you know I wonder if it's like a completely new grip completely new thought process or is it just uh that's what you think it is do the numbers suggest that or you know because some people say they just they take a little off and they Mm -hmm. get a little more weep sweep to it I don't know I mean yeah it'd be interesting I'm it's it's got to be a new grip uh, just because of the difference in the speed and in the and in actually in in the drop, um, so I think it's definitely 
definitely a new grip. Um, and I, I would just be curious to kind of see his process of how he learned it, you know? It's, I think I'm fascinated by that kind of stuff. Um, so Same, because it's, it's a risky it's, thing. It's always cool. Yeah, I mean, it, <laughs> but I think it, it was a little bit less risky for him maybe because his slider really wasn't good either. Um, it got a little bit better at the end of last year, but I mean, he's always been such a fastball-heavy guy. His fastball is, is tremendous. Um, but uh, I think his curve is going to make his fastball even better, like I said before. And yeah. we saw him go to a change last year at some points as well. Or is that in 18? It was, I forget. Yeah, he, he, went, he they have, have him with a few splitters last year. I mean, it's yeah. just it's a classification thing too, so yeah, you never know. I wonder when when we talked to Canley, he he joked or he was kind of serious about all the relievers were working on knuckle curves. I wonder if that's a Matt Blake thing or um, if it is the same thing. And uh, oh, the other just weird thing again, digging into my own brain, uh, Zach Britton is uh, obviously a very different pitcher than Chad lefties, but they both rely heavily on one pitch. And Zach Britton has worked in the slider more, slash curveball, slurve, whatever it is. Um, I don't know. I, I wonder if there's fun conversations to be had between those two. Maybe. Maybe they don't talk yeah. at all. Maybe, they don't, maybe they're not close, close friends. Speaking of bad news, the next subject we have on the show mm. is Glaber Torres' defense. Katie, there's been a lot of noise. My brain has been going this way. We're just starting to wonder... Can Glaber play Major League shortstop? Is that where his future is? You know, he came up as a shortstop. He played a lot of shortstop last year when Didi was out. How's he rate out? The eye test, you know, you have the lazy errors, the bad errors on regular plays, the throwing errors. But, you know, I was trying to go into my memory bank. We talked about this last episode. I can't really recall too many great plays by Glaber at short. So I don't, I don't know what defensive metrics we really look at because I – I know that with Urshela, we don't fully trust them. I'll just give it to you. Uh, what do you have for us on Glaber's defense at short? Yeah. Um, so I think you kind of really – what the eye test says actually kind of is backed up with a lot of the, the metrics that we have out there. Um, and one thing that I do want to point out is that looking at defensive metrics for just this season is probably not the best idea just because – Right now, we are in such a small sample size. Um, and when you think about it, with defense, it's even smaller of a sample size um, because the, the amount of plays that you can actually kind of determine whether a guy is good or not is just so few at this point in the season. Um, I mean, in fact, StatCast, this, the StatCast website doesn't even have their infield um, defensive metrics on the website yet because there just isn't enough, enough of good. a sample. <laughs> yeah, um, good. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, some of the other websites are, you know, showing their defensive, like defensive run saved, I think is, is actually on fan graphs and some other stuff. But, um, but yeah, so (coughs) one of the things, so I will just kind of, I'm going to probably rely a lot on last year's stuff. Um, but I think that we can kind of tell that not much has changed just from the eye test. Um, so the, the point that you make out is really good about him not really making any spectacular plays. Um, and he's okay, I think, with the absolute. So what the numbers say is that he's pretty. I mean, he's basically league average and does what everybody else does on the absolute, like a hundred percent. You know, these are the hundred percent success plays. So he's got what is called what a ninety eight percent 
um, success rate on plays that are basically 100% likely or above 90% likely to make, which is kind of what the major league average is. If you look at like a Lindor, if you look at a Didi, um, those are the two guys kind of I'm going to be comparing so we can do some comparisons. Those guys are both in that same range for the, you know, everyday plays. That's that's if you're if if you're the average yeah. human playing shortstop, ninety eight percent is kind of the clip. Yeah, yeah. There's, okay. there's very, I mean, there's going to be guys that have a hundred percent on those. Right. Um. But I mean, ninety eight percent is kind of what what everybody does. Okay. Where Didi, where um, excuse me, where um, where Glaber really struggles is in these plays that are considered forty to ninety percent likely to make. And this is data, like when I say it's forty to ninety percent likely, this is like based on, you know, historical data of this ball in this space, um, this place, um, at this batted ball speed, that those types of things. It doesn't actually have anything to do with positioning, the the preposition of the player. So this is this data that I'm just talking about right now. So that's kind of one thing to think about, but the numbers are just so strike striking. So on these plays that are have like a forty to ninety percent likelihood, Glaber has converted over the last uh, last year. He converted thirty three percent of those plays, thirty three percent. So just remember that number. So if you could take a look at Didi, <clears throat> even last year when I mean you have to admit he was he was not good last year in the in the field. Um, he didn't look very good. He looked a little bit uncomfortable with his arm, um, but. He converted actually 56% of those. And if you go back to 2018, he had a 71% conversion rate on those same plays. Um, and then mm-hmm. for even more comparison's sake, if you look at a Lindor, who has a incredible, you know, a very good uh, defensive reputation, he converts about 75% of those plays. So Glaber here was at 33% last year. Um, and that is really the place where he struggles because at the you know, like I said, the plays that are above ninety percent likely, he's about the same. And if you look at plays with like a less than forty percent chance, it's just most people are going to struggle. And you know, there's a lot fewer of those. So um, expect Lindor him to make- converts seventy five percent of plays that they say only forty percent of people should be making. But no, it's between forty and ninety percent. So it's kind of like an okay, even okay, shot okay, okay. or okay. about, gotcha. you know, like... I thought you were saying between zero and 40 and Lindor uh, made 75 or like, about oh like, you know, more than likely. But so... Um, and just, so just to put a little really more... What you, were, you, were, you were pointing out exactly with the eye test. He, he just really struggles in these kind of plays that are kind of 50-50 or maybe, you know, two-thirds likely to get. But he just, he just can't convert those. Um, so that's and that's just data from last year. Obviously, they don't have the data from this year. Um, so, but that is kind of why I was. Just, and this is all at shortstop. Like I said, that I didn't I didn't look at his his second base numbers. Um, so that's one data point out there. The other data point that I kind of want to point that I want to look at is the Statcast data, and we talked about that. They don't even have it for this year yet, um, but they do have it for last year. And what the StatCast data does, which I really like, is that it actually doesn't just look at the lineup position of where the guy was in the lineup, but it also looks at where he is actually positioned on the field. So that's really helpful for shifts, right? So a lot of times you saw, even if Glaber was a second baseman, he was maybe even playing in the shortstop hole. Or if he was a shortstop, he was playing in the second base hole. Um, So when you look at what he did last year, um, there was actually some kind of uh, optimism that he might be good at shortstop this year because 
where he really struggled was when he was positioned in the second base position, whether he was listed as a shortstop or a second baseman. He was actually five outs below average. So they have like a rating system of how many outs are above or below average you you are in terms of the plays that you make. And he was five outs below average when he was in the field positioned as a second baseman. Um, and he was about league average. He was a zero outs above average when he was in the shortstop position on the field. So like those numbers actually gave me a little bit of optimism this year that he would be pretty competent, you know, at least at shortstop. Um, but obviously, I mean, you, we've seen the eye test this year and it's just, it hasn't worked out yet. Um, and the numbers last year said that he really struggled going to his backhand side, which a lot, you know, that's pretty typical. I would think for, for a fielder, for, for a shortstop where he, he did excel going to his glove hand side. Um, so I think that even showed at second base. I, when I picture him making good plays at second base, a lot of is him going to his left towards first in that hole, then going up the middle. That's just my recollection right now. Could be wrong. But that's you know, those are the plays yeah, I, I, mean, I think if he was going to his left. That's the eye test and it, it kind of backs it up with the numbers. Um so I think, you know, what we've seen so far, and I think the most glaring, obviously, the most glaring errors have been those throwing errors, right? He has four throwing errors already all this season. Um, last year, though, it was still a problem. I mean, this is not really anything new. Uh, last year, he had six throwing errors, and he was um, if one of the some of the defensive metrics actually rate you based on your throwing, so a run saved type of thing based on your throwing. And he was in the black. He was in the negatives um, for that last year when he was at shortstop, and he was even worse when he was at second base in terms of the throwing. Um, so I don't have the uh, the numbers yet for this year, but I think it's going to be negative whenever they do come out um, because we can you can see he's just not really comfortable, and I don't know if it's if it's a mental thing, um, but that's that's kind of the most glaring things, and and when you see those errors, those are really errors um, that he's making, and a lot of times people can say, oh, errors are subjective, um, but I think we can see with the eye test that his throwing is probably the biggest area where he is struggling right now this year. Was his – he had Tommy John, right? Yes. Was that on his but throwing arm? It was, a, ar- no, it was no, his non-throwing arm. Okay, off-hand. that's what I thought because I was, I, was, I was remembering that, but I, I wanted to make sure that uh, you can't really correlate that. It's weird. I mean, you know, it, again, the, the couch eye test, and I, I don't think there's analytics to confirm it, but – uh, he it looks like he's trying to be a little too showtime. It, it looks like he's uh, Katie. You probably heard us mention it on the last broadcast, but he does kind of the stuff you you do in little league because you saw Jeter do it on TV, and you you know you do some funky footsteps, and then you sidearm it to first, and then the coach pulls you over and says, "Hey, don't do that." Uh, it seems like a lot of the throwing errors are those types, and it's it's frustrating, and I you know. I, when I click on the baseball reference and I see age 23, I'm, I'm hopeful there can still be growth there um, that he, he can look back. But I, I don't know. I mean, are there it, – is it, is it all in Glaber's hands at this point? Is it, you know, when – I think that, it, you know, one thing I, that, I, that, that I do want to kind of point out is that there, 
this is, I think this is a fixable problem. And the reason why I think that it is, is because um, if you look at Fernando Tatis Jr., and we obviously know <laughs> he's yes. pretty much an amazing shortstop already this year. He's done some incredible things. Um, and if you look at his defense last year, he had 14 throwing errors, 14 throwing errors, which was obviously the most among all shortstops. And, and that was 84 was, games. It was the one big knock on his play last year was his defense and how much he struggled throwing. And what he did is this this um, this offseason, he just he went to work and he just worked a ton on his defense and a ton on, specifically on his throwing. And if you look at this year, he has zero. And he is graded out as basically an average to above average defender so far this year. And that was just one offseason of work that he did. Um, so that is what kind of gives me a little bit of optimism and a little bit of hope that Kleber can fix this. I mean, A, he's 23 years old. You know, Fernando Tatis is, what, 20, 21 years old. Um, so they're both incredibly young. And I think, you know, it's it seems like it is a fixable problem, um, this throwing thing. And he definitely, I mean, he has the athleticism. We can, we can see that. His range is good. Um, so I don't think that that's ever going to be the problem. Um, but right now, I think he just, he really, he does need like an offseason to work on this. That's my opinion. Yeah. And you just, I, I mean, you kind of hope as a fan he takes pride in it. And you hope for the rest of this season that, you know, when the ground balls matter, this was kind of the Gio or Shell argument for a while that I wouldn't say it was straw manish, but w- when you need a play, you got to make it. Like everyone, like we talked about with that 98%, everyone is human and is going to make some errors. Uh, there's times when you kind of can't in baseball, uh, especially as the shortstop, especially as the guy. Uh, and I mean, it's, it, it's something that every Yankee fan is watching right now. And if, you know, if Luke Voigt didn't make a pick to, I think it was the end of the Red Sox series, yeah. we were going to be having a real bad time. So, and I think he had one throw yesterday that, that wasn't too pretty. So it's, uh, I mean, the, the yellow flag is definitely up. Yeah. I think that's fair. But it's, it's also like, you know, someone in the chat said, need a psychologist. And it's like a lot of headspace. Yeah. It seems a lot of headspace, but let's see. All right. And, I mean, this is first year with Didi fully out of the picture. I mean, he was hurt last year. And the bat slumped for a while, and you wonder how much that carries onto the field with him. And it does feel like you get one bad throw, you're going to get another. Yeah. You know, a home run hitters hit him in bunches. It feels like Glaber's throws come in bunches. So, And Didi, I, Didi's level you'd think would be attainable. Didi was good. Didi's se- Didi seems a little more athletic than Glaber. Um and I, I do want to say this just for a point of reference. I mean, Lindor, his defensive stuff was better than I thought. I didn't know Lindor won a platinum glove. Um, I, I would have lost that bet. Uh, and he's got two gold gloves. So he's he's definitely elite. I, I didn't fully realize that. So, uh, Glaber, you're young. Uh, and I like hearing Katie Sharp say the word correctable. That's yeah, good. That is good. All right. Next up. Stat of the week, Katie, what do you got for us? Stat of the week, the sharpest stat. All right, this one is uh, in honor of, uh, of John Boy here and his yes. fascination with Luke Voigt in games when he doesn't start the previous game. So this is the Luke Voigt-Mike wow. Ford t- conversation, right? I love it. Okay. All right, here we go. Okay, so I knew, I knew you'd like this. Um, butter knife. This is the ultimate butter knife. Here we go. Um, 
So I just looked at this season just because I didn't feel like, you know, kind of counting up everything from last year and whatever. But this season, so there's been four games in which Luke Voigt did not start the game before. That's the criteria that I'm using. And in those four games, he is eight for 14, four home runs, nine RBIs, and only two strikeouts. And uh, it gets it's better. It- he has... At least two hits in every game and a home run in three of those four games. So there you go. Sometimes this brain of mine, I I was on to that one pretty quick. That dude doesn't like stat. being sit. He doesn't like being sat. That's awesome. Thank you for putting stats to my brain. <laughs> yeah. You got it. <laughs> that's a – man, that's, that's some playoffs – I think that might have to be some playoff voodoo stuff. Like, if you've got, you know, say the Yankees have three wins going into a game six, maybe you sit Voight for the game six just in case you need him for the game seven so you know you're getting the lights out performance. I don't know. That's that's spooky. You run a risk there. You yeah. run a risk. I, I mean, this is, this is the ultimate small sample. I don't know if you want to mess <laughs> with it, but... <laughs> Facts are facts. Right now, that, yeah. that's facts. the facts. Facts. And I do think it's because he's pissed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is awesome. All right. Thank you for digging that up. Well, we're going to get going before the technology wrestles us anymore. Katie, thank you as always for uh, making us smarter Yankee fans. We need more, it, guys. more smart fans out there. So. Not that worried about Glaber. I'm worried about Glaber. I'm worried about Glaber. Yeah. And uh, Chad's the best ever. Chad's the best. Tweet at KT Sharp, the queen of stats. Thank her. And Katie, as Jimmy hinted at, a personal thank you from us for going into our stupid brain well and finding the Luke Voigt the day after stat. That uh, That's the goods. That's the Love goods. it. Love it. Anytime, guys. All right. Thank you. Have a good one. Thank you, guys. We'll see you next time on Talking Yanks, recapping the series against the Rays. Go, Yanks. Tell them, Grams. Go, Yankees.